You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Hello, this is episode one of Swell with My Soul, hosted by Donald Brink. It is currently available on its own podcast feed. This will be the final episode that I ever publish on this feed, Surf Splendor. From this point forward, you will only be able to get it on Donald's feed. So pull up your app right now, search Swell With My Soul, click subscribe, and every future episode will exclusively be available there. But I wanted to make sure that you didn't miss this one. Episode one is Dane Godowskis unpacking from the swell of a lifetime in Fiji. Donald does a phenomenal job. You can get this episode there currently without this annoying intro of me. Um, So go ahead and go do that. Push pause here. Go listen there. Or if you want to just listen through the rest of this, that's fine as well. Just make sure you subscribe over on his feed and never miss a future episode. I'll be back in just a couple of days, actually, with Alex Gray. We have a conversation about the current state of being a professional free surfer. And it's actually all told through the lens of this particular swell of a lifetime in Fiji. Alex was there with Dane. So we discuss how do you finance a trip like that? Do you bring photographers? If you do, do you pay their entire travel expense? What about the safety team? Who pays for them? The photographers, once you get photos back, where can you even sell those photos nowadays? Can a professional free surfer recoup his travel expenses based on you know, selling all the assets that you generate from a given trip. So Alex unpacks all of that as well as a bunch of other stuff. It's a great episode. So look forward to that later this week. But this episode here today with Dane is the perfect precursor to that and helps actually create a context for the conversation that I will have with Alex Gray later this week. Okay, so without further ado, I present Swell With My Soul, episode one, hosted by Donald Brink. Enjoy. Whilst we watched these massive waves barreling on our tiny handheld screens around the world, the warrior wrestled his broken heart over the ledge and locked into another lifetime wave. 
because bravery was backed by preparation and a spiritual yearning for the big picture within his soul, Dane unwraps his mindset and describes the chronological emotions that day in the Fijian water. Donald. So, was it Thursday you called me? Probably was. When did you guys leave? Friday morning? Did we leave Friday or Wednesday? I was trying to look at the calendar this morning. I Wednesday, Thursday. I think the swell, I know it would have been Wednesday because we would have arrived Friday and the swell hit Sunday. So I think we surfed all day Friday, you Saturday. Did. Yeah, so it was Wednesday we left. Okay, so that was Tuesday on the phone. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously we'd been ping-ponging back and forth about all sorts of things, but I could hear, I mean, your words were clear, but I could hear in your voice that it was on. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. it was... You, you see those things coming around on the charts, and you see them already forming. How many know. days out were you watching, or did, did you get a call to be like, hey, look on, be on standby, or how did that work for you? I'm always watching, you know, you see stuff like these giant storms kind of swirling into Australia and around the horn, and... Um, some just look extremely large and bigger than anything else that happens. And then recently there's been such a I don't know, phenomenon where all the storms are just pushing right between New Zealand and Australia, just like sucking straight up the channel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just like, they were saying that it's just opened up and lubed essentially for all these storms to just kind of shoot through there. That was because of the high pressure over New Zealand. Is that right? Yeah. I, th I mean, I think the high and the low definitely, Sure, yeah. make up but somehow it's like it's been consistent for a while so it kind of just felt like it was a Fiji year and then you see that storm kind of forming you know I think it's in the Indian Ocean maybe or something um, and it's already just giant and you, you can't help but think it's coming around the horn the and southern ocean, yeah. yeah the southern ocean so I was just like oh man yeah let's keep an eye on it and the winds were tricky but essentially it's like when you're dealing with a storm that big I feel like more times than less it's going to be tricky winds on the forecast and if it's something that's interesting to you to go and see it then you just got to go and see it <laughs> i mean it's like it gets to a point when you're talking to people and they're like what do you think i saw and it's just it's obvious it's going to be humongous and there's going to be wind and if the answer is not if it's going to be good it's more like do you want to go does that make sense it makes a lot of sense yeah yeah so I'm interested in, I mean, the way we rode, I can't wait to hear about all the other ones, but obviously, I mean, just looking at those images arriving was, yeah, still goose flesh <laughs> every time, just for from looking on from afar. But you arrive there, you know it's going to get bigger. What did you ride on the first swells. I mean, it was still pretty solid, right? Yeah. Well, well, what, what were you riding? Are you testing boards? Are you just out there loosey-goosey? Are you, are you playing with it? Are you just 
resting? How's it? What's, what's happening? <laughs> well, it's funny because Tanner came with me, which you know, and and he was coming from the duct tape invitational in Spain. <laughs> yeah. So he had flown from Spain to like Amsterdam overnight, and then flown to LAX, picked him up at the airport. He spent the night in SoCal, and then we got on the flight the next evening, and he was fired up. But essentially, you know, in Europe, it was like a lot of chill time. And, Sure. You know, socializing, eating food, like surfing little small waves. So for him to get fired up, I was like, okay, if Taryn wants to go, I'm definitely going. Like, we'll go together as a team and, mm-hmm. and we'll lock in. And the crew in Tavaru was like, so cool. They dialed us in. They're like, oh, you guys can come stay in the treehouse. Like, no worries. And so we had a good little spot set up, just Tanner and I. We got all our boards and um, we arrived on Friday morning. And restaurants, um, the kind of the first swell in the sequence was you know, lower interval with the kind of bigger feet. And so that really kind of tends to focus in on restaurants more like restaurants will just be almost the same size as cloud break on those numbers. And so we just serve restaurants for like all day. We served three sessions and it was by the evening time, like triple overhead. What are Um, you riding out there? I was on a short board (laughs) and Tanner was on a baby step up, but essentially like guys were still trying to serve cloud break because cloud break was pretty big. It was just starting to form on the third ledge, but when the period's that low, it doesn't like really open up as wide. It gets tall, like definitely significant, but it's kind of, for me, dangerous because you're committing so heavily, but you're, you're like, when you're committing on a line on a wave like that, you want to make sure there's enough room in the barrel that you can essentially navigate safely. And sometimes on a lower period, it kind of just is rogue. You know, you could really get pounded. Like Cole got a two-wave hole down, I think, that night. Um, so Tan and I were just kind of like, Hey, let's ease into this thing. Like we don't, we know Sunday's the day. Okay. We know that the day is going to be Sunday. And like, that's when we want to be at our peak mental state and like physical state. So like, let's work into this thing, ease into it. Um, and yeah, just, it was cool. So your Tanner's coming from the routes. Mm-hmm. You're coming from here. You're looking at that swell. Are you paddling? Are you training? Are you specking boards? I mean, I'm I'm probably more interested in. And you mentioned it earlier when we were chatting. Was about like, do you want to go? Yeah. Like that decision between the ears before you've even got on the plane or paddled over the ledge. Like, how, what are you thinking about beforehand? I mean. Looking, you know those numbers well enough to know like this could be the wave of my career. This could be the wave of yeah. my life, just like the last one. So you've kind of lived that a little bit. Like, Tanner's or outs. What are you doing? Yeah, like. Well, thankfully, I, w- I was home for a bit, and so I was. I'd been training quite a bit. You sure. know, just prone paddling, doing mm-hmm. good beach workouts, and running and swimming a bunch. And um, you know, I was in a. I felt good. You know, I felt at a level, probably not like my best all-time physical conditioning but at the same time i felt at a level where i was like yeah it's game time yeah like, nothing dangerous yeah yeah like this is on and i feel good and you know i had the board equipment i rode pats 86 in 2016 and got a really fun one and the board worked well in a curve of the wave face uh, at that size and speed um and we got these really good fins that were a little bit bigger than toe fins which are what most guys ride um, but essentially like when you're making the bottom turn, you need to have a little bit more hold. I feel like, mm. um, well, that's the Arakawa's. No, they're, um, by this guy that, um, John Enos from Surfride. Yeah. And down me in with them, the DRD four, okay. I think on Instagram and 
He's a super nice guy, handmade foil fins. I gotta show him to you. Let me you. You'll trip on him. But um, so yeah, we felt confident in my equipment. Um, obviously, inflatables. We had all our impact stuff ready, and you know, talked to some of the crew. There's gonna be good water safety on the island for the swell. That gave me a little bit more confidence, just knowing like because I was there in 2016 to see Aaron Gold's experience and. Um, yeah. When you see something like that in person uh, at a venue where you're going to try and get the way of your life, it's like yeah. you understand quickly the consequences are so real and it can't be taken lightly. Sure. So I felt aware of the consequences, right? But I felt like everything that we had been doing, I feel ready, ready to go. You know, I'm, I'm fired up here in the house, emotional peaks and valleys, you know, it's like some moments I'm like running around the house just psyching like whoo like even like let out little hoots to myself like whoo it's on like you know you kind of get in a rooster mentality and then other moments you're absolutely vulnerable and scared and you can't even speak and people are trying to talk to you and you, all you can think about is getting a two-way pull down and you're just like psychologically tweaked and you try and work through all those emotions before you even get on the plane it's a the lead up to a really big swell is crazy but and i went through all those range of emotions um but yeah. Did and you get stuck on one longer than you've experienced before? or You know, I, I felt like this swell, I was really able to let go more than I ever have. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And I think, I don't know why, like usually I really get fixated on, on some things that may go wrong. Especially, you know, I get extra nervous surfing with my brothers in big waves too. Because you have an extra person that, to, that you love a lot and you don't want to have anything go wrong. So it's like you kind of get a little extra nervous. But... I just felt this swell was going to be the one and like Tanner was fired up and it's like he wanted it so bad and pure and I was like I want it too and I just felt like our program was smooth and I didn't I was not very nervous to be perfectly honest by the time we got there I felt I felt really comfortable and I felt ready to go like as odd as that sounds I, it hasn't happened to me before <laughs> believe me I mean your performance was it showed that yeah, you know, and I'm judging that on one video clip, but you know, watching your poise and how the amount that the board wasn't moving and holding those broken rails outside now, and just seeing how small that board really was and how large that wave was, like it showed. You yeah, know? you look comfortable. Everything was coming together. Yeah, T talk about what you did ride. And then I also, um, I really wanted, because you sort of mentioned it, almost, uh, pull up your Instagram and read that, the comment that you wrote, because I thought that was so well Which, written. on the first one or the uh, second one? Uh, the, about that you're being nervous, and I thought you'd written that so well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So let's hear it in your words that you wrote. <laughs> Is that the, it's been an unreal few, few days in Fiji, so much power in that swell. Just getting off the boat, you felt like a tiny speck that could be swallowed up by the ocean. Mm. This was my first paddle wave of the morning. I was so nervous and excited sitting on the boat watching it. I thought I might, it might calm the nerves to just get out and get one. And hopefully fire up the crew for an epic day of riding. This wave was just a pure lock-in, growing and growing all around me until it vaporized me on the inside section. I was so thankful to see Ryan Hargrave <laughs> pictured in the orange jacket on the ski come ripping through the white water and come grab me after just getting pounded for what felt like forever. View of a lifetime, though, and thrill to match. Tanner 
and I were cracking up in the boat afterwards saying I felt like I'd just been struck by lightning. (laughs) (laughs) And it did though. Like honestly, um, so I like, yeah, just, I don't know. It was a freaking zany feeling, but I do describe being nervous, but it was this, it was like this nerve of like today's on it. It wasn't like, I don't know if I want it or not. I just was like nervous that I was actually going to do it. And today was the day to do it. Sure. Yeah. If that makes sense. No, that makes total sense. And I'm sure people can relate on every, every level. Like when the, when the day arrives, you know what? Um, so you're sitting on the boat. What time is it in the morning? So that morning it was kind of anticipated to be a bit stormy. Right, there was going to be some wind on the forecast, which everyone saw early, and, and it kept changing. And obviously, the storms are so big, right? The problem is you don't want them to get too close. Yes. Um, so there's all these weird factors going on. Um, so we wake up in the morning first thing. Actually, got a great night's sleep that night. Like so good. That's really interesting because I said to Emily, I was like, "Wow, boys, I bet you the boys aren't sleeping." And she's like, "Why not?" I was like, "She's like, are they nervous?" I said, like, "No, the sound of the waves." Actually, that was pretty loud. Yeah, yeah, it's really loud when you're on the island there, and it's just like, and those waves are broken so close to you. Yeah, but too, a lot of it's psychological. Absolutely. At that point, you're like, "Is it? Is that the thirty foot set? Is that the first thirty foot set?" Like, oh, you hear something, and then. Maybe it's, tree <laughs> Maybe it's a two footer. Maybe it's a yeah. We're staying in the treehouse, and so we end up waking up. Um, we have everyone's down there in their suits. Everyone, we had an epic crew of dudes in Tagaro. Yes. It was such a good crew of people, and we're all have our inflatables and suits on our boards, and we're ready for a day. We're eating oatmeal, getting fired up, having coffee. People, there's light conversation, a little bit of tension, you know, obviously. Um, so then we. It just gets light enough and everyone's like, hey, let's go check it from the tower. So about 20 of us went up to the lookout tower and we're looking out there and you can see that it's massive. It's massive, Donald. And windy. So windy. But offshores. Like, ideal. Right? And so here you have these giant waves and the plumes off the back of them are even bigger. So it just looks more intense. And the mood was quiet. Right? Everyone's just pretty tense. And it was super fascinating because it comes down to that thing. Here's, here's 20 guys that all want bombs. It wasn't like anyone in that room was like, yeah, I'm just going to go get an insider today. Everyone was like, I'm going to go out the way of my life. That was a mentality everyone had. So it's pretty sick to be in that energy and be like, whoa, this is freaking crazy. Yeah, there's plenty of waves. Whoever wants them. Yeah. <laughs> so everyone was fired up. and uh, That's about 6 o'clock, I'm guessing. 6 o'clock. 6 o'clock. Yeah. six six thirty. And so Mike Peach, who's just an epic legend, like I, iconic big wave freak, underground charger. And uh, he's like, oh, it's on. Like Everyone's like, let's go. Let's get the boats fired up. So we go down there, get the water safety skis down there. Abe Lerner is such a legend. He was doing water patrol. He was fired up. He's like, it's on. He was just like, dude, game on. Like, And so the crew started firing up the pistons. So we get the skis in the water. They start ripping out there. Uh, I think there was two boats loaded completely full or three. We were in the second one, which was trailing behind a bit because we had to wait back for some safety supplies. Um, on our boat, we had Tanner, myself, Frankie Hare, a girl, surfer girl from uh, Malibu, Jared White, boatman, Australian, Coco Nogales, Orion, this legend from Hawaii, super nice guy. Um, and we had Sean Lopez, who was towing in. Um, on the on the first couple waves of the day, so we had a sick crew, and uh, 
we're on the boat and essentially like that's your camaraderie because you're you're balancing the energy off each other and like obviously everyone's kind of like nervous excited like feeling their own spectrum of emotions and you kind of have to look at someone and say like hey if this person's wait looking needs their own space right to get into their zone you, you kind of give it to them yes but we were just like our boat was like laughing and like joking around and like poking fun and just like having a blast was that helpful for you yeah because that's when i get in my zone good you know and tanner was in the zone everyone was having a good time you know and we were just joking and by the time we got out there it was like oh my god there was already like 25 boats in the lineup 30 boats and those are from the mainland or other resorts just everywhere yeah. i don't know where they came from honestly a couple from Tabaru, a couple from Nemotu, a couple from every everywhere so i'm guessing 7 30 now 7 30 timeline um and then and boats were still coming like every five minutes boats would show up with more guys and so we're out there definitely we're shocked because it's the biggest i've ever seen it it's how much bigger is it than the last time you surfed it i mean the last couple times i've surfed it that big it was like oh that looks like a big paddle wave this time was like I don't know what the hell that is. <laughs> like, the period was must have been so big and strong. It just looked strong. It looked raw. It looked psycho. It looked big and thick and long and just like, oh my god! Like, can you surf something like that? Can you can you position yourself safely in a position to catch one without getting caught inside by like possibly a toe set? And you saw Ramon's wave. Those were coming through like gorillas in the mist. You don't want to get caught inside by one of those. And so everyone's trying to make their assessment on the boat. Um, there's some light conversation. Oh, yeah, Garrett McNamara on the boat, too. Oh, well. Um, so, he's a sickie. Oh, the whole crew is just dream team. So, I mean, I've been out there. Are you patrolling the lineup? The boat's staying on the shoulder, but you're going up to the top of the lineup. You're coming down to the bottom. We were kind of at the top and, like, puttering. Okay. And it was cool because... Um, you smell in the two-stroke. The- yeah, there was a lot of gasoline in the nostrils, for sure. It was like, whoa, I feel, like, loopy. But, no, it was, it was, like, we weren't integrating within a lot of different boats and their energies. And, like, we weren't having conversations, like, with other boats. Like, what's it? How is it? Is it firing? Because everyone knew. It was like... You either want it, or you're either out there, or you're just going to wait a little bit longer to find your window to get out there. And so that was a cool part. Like, the day was anticipated to, like, really fire up around, like, one or three, you know. The conditions were meant to go lighter offshores. Um, the swell was meant to... There was a couple different reports. One was saying the swell was going to peak in the morning, and then there was going to be another pulse in the afternoon. So, you know, here you have the best big wave riders of all time a lot of them you know were there ready to go and so those guys were trying to pick their windows to catch their waves so it was pretty cool like everyone was kind of just like watching it studying it this might seem like a stupid question but it's interesting to me um are you looking at that day going i've got it in me to get one or two or three of these waves and i'm going to choose my time of day and go and hopefully the wind cooperates or you're like I'm going surfing and I'm going to see how many of these I can survive throughout the... How does... That's an interesting point. And I think a lot... If you ask each person, they'll have a different answer. Okay. What did you do? Um, you know, when I first started going there in 2011 and then 2012, I was in for a surf session. You know, I was there to try and 
understand the lineup, understand the waves, understand the people, how they paddle, why they paddle for that wave. Whoa, that's weird. Why would they paddle for that one? Oh, it was a really good one. And all of a sudden you're learning a lot by being in the water. You're, 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 you're soaking in everything up where you want to be, where you don't want to be. Um, and as the years have gone by, it was really cool. Like I've had a lot of trips with Nathan Fletcher and those guys. And, and Nate's always been really um, honest and just going, hey, if you, you don't need, if you get the wave of your life, like you don't need to keep like over saturating that experience for yourself or putting yourself more times at risk. Yeah. You know, like, Hey, just be stoked and grateful and thankful for that experience. And you know, almost like know when to hold them and when to fold them. Mm -hmm. So just growing up in that environment and under Nate's kind of tutelage and just feeling like grateful for like the experience and one really special ride. If, if it's like a moment where you feel satisfied, right. Then I knew at this point, 2018, that that was kind of my goal. It was like, hey, I'm just going to go as hard as I can. And if it takes me three waves to get there, five waves to get there, maybe a couple warm-ups. But I just want to have one peak moment where I'm like complete blackout. I'm like going head down, scaring the shit out of myself and like locking in to the wave of my life. And it doesn't matter if it takes 10 waves to get there, if I ease up into it. But, but you'll know when it's that one. When it's that one. Did you know when you took off on that wave? I didn't know exactly that that wave that I caught would be the wave. I was out there and paddled off the boat and then essentially it was... Back up. It was 7.30. Okay, yeah. Should we back up the, on the timeline? Here? I think that timeline's really fascinating having you highlighted the fact that your mental strategy, when people are pacing themselves throughout the day, you're like... I'm going out there looking for the one, but you've got to start the ball rolling. So. Yeah. And now Tanner and I had these discussions before he was asking like, Hey, how do you on that morning or the day before just to lead up got into it. it, you know? And, and, and we talked about it a bit and I mentioned in 2011 when I first time seeing a swell like that, I was like, man, I wanted to gather intel. So it was valuable where to was be Tan out there. Where was Tanner's head without trying to answer? And he head. was psyched. He he, and that's what his program was. He was like, I'm just going to be out here all day. Got it. I'm going to ride a bunch of waves and I'm going to take beatings and understand the waves. Got it. Whereas I was building into trying to accomplish my peak performance. Yes. If that makes sense. And you can get the wave of your life doing either way. I'm not saying there's one way better, but everyone has a different solution for their own, you know, I think mindset. Yeah. Your strategy was fascinating and it was, it was, it is interesting to know how clear that was. So yeah. yes. Okay. So, so, so we, we get out there, we're puttering on the outside. Sean Lopez is like psyching. He's a, he's surfed out there so many big days and he's like, I'm going to get the tow rope fired up and tow into a couple and see how big it is. And so he gets off the boat and we're like, all right, wow, no one's out there right now. He's alone. He's going to tow into these things. It's going to be crazy. Wait, but he's towing on a ski, not on your boat, right? He's towing from the ski, but he jumped off our boat. Okay. And, uh, he rides the first wave and it's, it's bigger than we think. It's bigger than we think. It's, it's huge and bigger, bigger than I've ever seen. I mean, I, I saw that Healy wave, right? During the Vulcan as well. I mean, that was, that was huge. But this was like the session, the waves, the energy of the, com the whole lineup, right? That was just one rogue wave. Um, what's, so, what's the sunlight doing right now? It's dark and rainy, okay. windy and cold. It's colder. Cold. The water's cold or the rain and the wind? The rain and the wind. 
you were wearing a I was wearing a spring suit with the vest and everything underneath of it and the jacket on and so everyone's soaking wet the rain is pissing down it's almost really quiet yeah. it's really quiet the channel's so quiet because everyone's just watching in the rain all you could hear is the rain <laughs> and you're seeing your sets and no one's really hooting no one's really talking pretty quiet so we're watching it and just thinking back to my, my strategy of like hey pick your window and every guy in the lineup's looking for what window they want to hit and it's a long day because you're going to be out there till 6 5 yeah what time is the sun setting right now it's 6.30 okay so I mean you're talking about a long window and how many hours you got a couple hours two, three, yeah, maybe 6 so it's a long time so um, Sean Lopez is on, out there on the ski Jared White gets off the boat he starts towing into a couple and just it's the energy's like whoa okay guys are riding it's going to be riding a big day. So I'm sitting on the boat and I'm just looking at it. I'm like, I think, I think there's an entry out there and the wind looks pretty good offshore right now. It looks crazy, but I think I can just assess it better if I'm out there. So I'm like, Taryn, I'm going to suit up and go. So, and Taryn's like, all right. So he helps me with the suit and stuff. I'm super nervous. Wait, but you were in your suit already. I was, but I had to put the inflatable on underneath and then zip up the back, which is kind of bulky. Sure. So okay. it takes a bit of teamwork. And so now we're just like struggling to get my giant board out from all these other boards and waxing it up. Meanwhile, everyone's probably just looking at me like, okay, someone's going to go out now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so everyone's like, okay, someone's going out. Like, this will be interesting to see how this works out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was kind of the guinea pig. Yeah. Um, but I kind of enjoyed that position because I wanted to hopefully inspired like the, those in the channel is everyone I respect to the highest degree and I'm like dude if I can just contribute my, if my contribution was just to inspire other people to go absolutely looney tunes that's a job well done that's cool as you could ever dream of <laughs> right like and I you know so I wanted to get out there and just like be like it's on day like today's the day someone's gonna have the biggest best wave in history like let's do this as a team like we're on and I wanted to have a little, you know, I wanted to be the leadoff ball passer and be like, here you go, here's a basketball, like, you go dunk this thing. Yeah. So, I was uh, essentially just getting off the boat super nervous, because by the time I paddled out, I'm like, oh, well, like, it's not, what are you going to do, paddle back to the boat if it's too big? <laughs> right? So, you're kind of nervous. It's an option. It's an option, but it's like, ooh, <laughs> like, I don't know. So... I'm out there and I'm just easing into the lineup and, and the swell was so big. It was like breaking. I mean, all your markers, are, like, you got to Well, the like markers you... were absolutely irrelevant because you couldn't yeah, see you... the mainland because it was so dark and rainy. <laughs> so here we are floating. I, I kind of gauged off the tower, but we were, I was still sitting really wide of a general location, but the swell was so big mm. and the tide was high and the period was so long and just like insanely intense in that moment. And, uh, so we're sitting there. Wait, who's we? Oh, me. <laughs> so it was just that's I, a big difference. Yeah, <laughs> I was there out there for, and then um, yeah, like Abe Lerner goes by on the jet ski because he just towed Sean Lopez in on a wave, um, and all of a sudden I'm completely alone in the lineup. Just the rain, the wind, and me, and I paddle, you know, half heartedly into the first attempt to try and see like, okay, like how's my board speed upon entry am i even close to an area where this might ledge up it looks like it could break but 
big waves, they break in a different way than small waves. It's not like, like you have to be so much more under it than you think, mm. right? So I was just... Yeah, it almost concertinas right at the last minute there, and then you yeah. find yourself down the mine shaft going, what? Well, yeah, you end up a lot of times thinking you're in the spot, and then it pulls you so far up the roof that by the time you're actually making the entry, it's like extrovert yeah. because you're like over the ledge. Um, so the first two paddle attempts were like Intel research, right? Knowing that I probably wouldn't catch this wave, but I just want to get my system dialed. And then I started pushing in a bit more. And by now in the lineup, I'd been out there probably 20 minutes and Lucas Silvera joined me and Peddling. this Brazilian kid. Um, and then I think Zach Hayes, this Australian kid had paddled out just, just getting into the lineup. And so I had a little, there was two other guys um, and I was still sitting right there and the set comes and I paddled so hard. I paddled like, like I was like, this is the one I'm going. First wave of the set. Second wave of the set. And the first wave of the set was pretty small, but the second one was like a smoker. And you could see those coming or is it so dark? You could see it was coming. Okay, got it. And I felt like I was in the spot. I got picked up by the wave was moving down with so much speed and then all of a sudden the wind was fighting me back up and I just kind of got pushed and I was like at the very top and I had a moment where I'm like I can force this situation and and maybe airdrop it and free fall so far just to do it to just get that out of the way or this isn't the one and I gotta like understand that I might be getting caught inside by the next wave because I committed so hard and I'm now very far in you know moving with the wave so I pull off last second. I kind of just flail off the side of my board. And I'm like, whoa, that was crazy. He scared myself there, Dan. Whoa. But I think good call. And verified from Tanner and the crew on the boat, like, I would have gotten pumped. I don't think I would have made it. I would have free fall. Sure. But I turn around. I'm like, okay, gather my board. I'm like, get my wits. I'm like, I'm just going to like make sure I can try and outrun this next wave if it's going to break on my head. Was there one behind it? Yeah, just as big, but and, and that was the wave that I caught. So essentially, I was like, oh my gosh, actually, I'm not going to get caught inside by this wave. Oh, I'm inside where I need to be the whole time. Got it. And I'm going to turn my board down, and this is the wave I'm going to catch. And I freaking just started paddling as hard as I could, angled that takeoff, and just like, it was tall and long. It felt like a really long time to get to the bottom. And it was the biggest wave I've ever ridden out there. Clearly, like, just the way it felt. It felt just big and big and strong. And, like, and it was it was one of those classic ones that I always love is, like, these on a smaller day, you know, that are, like, stretched out to the boats. And you can tell that it's just going to grow, right? Mm-hmm. And it had a draw, so I could see that it was going to be a lock-in factor. It wasn't just, like, a knuckle to a shoulder, and at Cloud Break, that's what they always say. Like, you need to go for the impossible-looking waves. And so I kind of was like, okay, had the good wall that I wanted. I can catch this one. I'm in position. So I'm making the bottom turn. I kind of go over a little foamy cavitation patch. And this is probably about, you now 35, 40 minutes into the session. Are you cold or are you feeling fired up? I'm pumped up. I'm totally warm. Actually, just very clear-headed. Like, I'm not even thinking, I'm not really even afraid. I'm like, this is the moment. Like, mm-hmm. literally, it sounds crazy, but it just, I've never been that clear. Like, 
I wasn't, I was definitely terrified, like, of course, but I wasn't like nervous in ways I had been in the past in the ocean of waves of that size, mm. if that makes sense. It was just weird. I just felt ready to go. And so, yeah, I just, knowingly when I came off the bottom, I turned the corner and the thing just started setting up on a wall. And <laughs> I mean, like, I just noticed that the only line that I was going to be taking was like clearly going to be inside of the barrel now at this point, which was the goal of the whole trip, right? To come and get a really big barrel. Yeah. And here I was on my first wave, which, you know, my goal was like, maybe I'll catch a warm up wave on it, you know, whatever. But this, this wasn't a warm up wave. This is a lock in the biggest lock in of my life. And so I'm like, okay, like no time for a warm up. Like this is the line you're, you're going to get barreled make the adjustments, start pumping your board as much as you can because this thing's a beast and it's freight chain. So you'll kind of notice in the video, I just kind of scoop my back foot up. I thought I actually was, I was trying to scoop both feet up to kind of move forward on the board, but I could only just manage to move my back foot up yeah. to kind of just try to transfer that weight positioning forward on the wide point of the board. And... Yeah, I just started riding it. I started matching the speed of the wave. My board felt, it didn't feel like it was hauling butt, but the wave was going so fast. I mean, you're riding like eight, six, and every inch of that rail is touching the freaking wave face, right? Yes. And so it's like you're dealing with all that while you're riding the wave and making the adjustments, and I just felt it getting bigger and wider and bigger and wider and bigger and wider, and all of a sudden I'm just trying to stay up. I make it through one foam ball, recorrect, take one more big pump off the bottom, and by this point, most of the boats in the channel that you're seeing have gone past. So now my vision is just like empty. But the biggest barrel I've ever seen, essentially, you can see a little bit of Tabrio Island in the distance. And I'm like, I think I'm going to make this barrel right now. In my head, I was like, I'm going to make this thing right now. Right then. Spit comes so hard in my face, like crazy, just like, like insane. The barrel just breathed in so much. And just like, I was like trying to hold on. I'm like, wow, because sometimes when they breathe in, they go woof and they spit you out. Yeah. So if you can brace for that initial one, you can get pumped forward and make it. And so I'm like, yeah. And then all of a sudden it just hit me from underneath, like boof. And something happened where I don't know what happened. It was just all of a sudden I was down immediately and it was so violent but i was so underwater and i was like okay i'm underwater i'm not this is i'm in the white belt situation just relax stay calm you're bringing your arms in you're just you're letting it everything was flailing and i was just relaxing got it and i was so adrenalized just by the whole moment that I, i felt like i wasn't I, I think I was thinking about just the barrel. I was like, just reliving the barrel in my mind. I was like, wow, that was so fucking cool. Mm-hmm. I can't believe I actually got that wave and that barrel. And, and meanwhile, I'm underwater. I'm like, oh shit, I'm down here. And so I, I was like, after a while, I'm like, I got to get up. So I pulled the inflatable, but I must've been really deep because it didn't inflate right away. It t- felt like it took a while. And so I kept touching my chest. I'm like, is this thing working? And I'm like, no. And then all of a sudden, I think because it's at the pressure, it doesn't like expand until you get up the water column. So then it starts inflating and I'm coming up. And I come up and I just see, you see like, and like on that 
end of the reef, it's just like shallower, right? Shish kebab section, growing, the waves are growing. And I see this like giant double up left coming right at me. And I'm like, <laughs> I look over, I see Ryan Hargrave on the ski, but obviously you can't get in with that little of time and, and the situation, I'm fully inflated. You still got your board attached? I still have my board attached. I think it's broken at this point. And I just go, oh my God. I just get sucked up this foamy face and there's like a 10 foot ball of white water at the top that I just meet up with and it just literally throws me over the falls backwards and I just go back down the chute. And I'm like, in that point, I was like, okay, this is critical. Like, got to make it up from this one. And so I kept kind of bouncing up in the whitewater purges and I, I would take these little breaths. I was like, and I go back down and then like, and so I kind of felt good, but I was exhausted. It was so violent. And then at that point, Ryan Hargave came in on, on the ski and I was like, oh yes. And I just remember from all that kind of training stuff, just keep your, your left hand up and, and, you know, hopefully he'll be able to grab that. Did you grab his arm and throw yeah, it on the back? Yeah, did a full lock oh, in and he my. just swung me across. Got a good grip on that. And then I was like... You still got half a board attached? So I have a board attached and I'm like, yes, I'm on the ski, I'm safe. And, and he starts pinning it and all of a sudden the board starts catching mm-hmm. and it's like dragging and I'm almost getting pulled back off the back of the sled now. You're holding on to the ski now? The, the sled. sled. You're yeah, on the sled. I'm okay. on the sled. I'm holding on for your life. And, and essentially... Ryan turns around and he's like, dude, you got to pull your pin. You got to pull your pin. The next wave's coming, like, almost on us. And I'm like, oh, it's hard because you're, you're being stretched, right? Like, yeah, you my can't arms even get are going. Yeah, yeah, like, I can't quite down to my leg, almost. And so to, I was struggling for a bit. And then by the time I got down there, I pulled the pin. And then he just, zoom. And then by that point, he turned and corrected. And we were going up the white waters. And I knew I was in safety with Ryan obviously he's an amazing water safety specialist so I was like I just survived it and I I got a moment where that was my that was the moment for me and like it was like insane like how do you comprehend it how do you emotionally internalize it how do you like decompress all the energy it took just to get off the boat to just get on the plane to understand that that was the moment that you were going to send it as hard as you could send it. And you did it. You did it. And you lived. And then you go back to the boat. Oh. And then the wind kind of came on shore for a bit after that. So there was this weird like energy. Like a couple guys paddled. and But it was kind of tricky. It was really weird wind. And then the tow guys started getting huge ones in rotation. I was just like on the boat like, oh my God. Literally, Donald. Like... You got to ask the crew on the boat, but like every vein in my body was like bulging out of my skin. Like it felt like I just like literally, and that's why in the Instagram comment, I said, I felt like I got struck by lightning. Mm-hmm. Literally, it felt like I had, like I was like, my hair was on fire. Like I was just like tweaked. Have you experienced that in the surf before? No. I mean, I've made, I think when I made that, my really special wave in 2016, I was like just emotionally like kind of like almost in tears, like in this happy joy. Yes. But this was like something that it was big. And then all of a sudden it was like this so violent and crazy. And then it's just like almost even more like intoxicated. And like you just got like, whoa, you, you honestly felt like, like a psychopath or something. Like you got, you went, I went somewhere else. Like I was like just tweaked. It was crazy. I was like, hi. 
Did you feel like you could come back if you wanted to, or that you had to float back when it let you? Yeah, I floated back when it let. I, the come down <laughs> was kind of crazy, but it was so sick. And like I was like, "Wow, this is a feeling I've never felt before." It was literally like I was like, just fucking snapped. Like it was so <laughs> sick. I was like, ah, like, and that's why. I mean, picture all the guys that ride huge waves. You know, like they must get that feeling, and that's where big wave surfing you get this like bizarre supercharge. It was weird. It was really weird. I think, I think the difference was though, like you're getting barreled. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, you're a big wave charger, but you were charging big barrels, and that that was like such a. That's the dream, right? To find a wave that you draw in your notebook and like just amplify it as high as you can until yeah, that until was you don't know the limit, yeah. <laughs> right? Like turn the speaker up to eleven yeah. <laughs> until it breaks. You know, how much sound is too much sound? Wow. Yeah. Oh, so impressive. Just so beautiful. Like I said, what, looking at the line you drew and yeah, it was a one rail wave. I mean, it was just, and it was interesting, like explain that takeoff too. Cause it was, I mean, you kind of just took off an angle and everything just, looked good to go. But yeah, just, I mean, it, it sounds like you were so far inside at that point that you'd kind of felt the speed you needed to match. And the board was feeling good. Yeah, everything felt good. The wide point was forward, and it tracked really nicely in the tube. And but you sent me a picture of the two boards you were taking before you left the ye- the yellow one. Uh huh. Eight ten. Okay, that's a that was a much bigger board, and you chose to ride this specifically. I chose to ride the eight six, which was smaller, even though it probably warranted a bigger board. And my eight six did feel a little small for myself. Other guys would say, you know, their preferred sizes would be different than mine. But for me, I. Would have preferred a longer board, but I just felt comfortable because I had already ridden a good big wave on that orange board, whereas oh. I hadn't on the yellow one. Okay. So I had the a little extra were, level. Okay. The, the outlines were completely different in my opinion. And the rails too. Okay. Yeah. We need to go and feel those. Yeah. yeah. The rails are, the yellow one's a lot more of a down rail, whereas the orange one's a bit more normal. Um, and you rode a thruster? Quad. You read that as quad, huh? Yeah. Okay. Definitely, it wouldn't go thruster. I think they drag too much, for my opinion. Mm. It may be the bottom contour, you know. Like, but well, everyone's got their opinion, but I mean, it felt like, yeah, I think a lot of guys overfin those boards, but like you said, you felt like you needed it off the bottom, and when you went yeah. over that little foam ball, maybe that's that first foamy patch that was playing into your into your uh, favor there. Yeah, so, I mean, it was sick, and then the day unfolded from there. I mean, what time was it then? It was 9.30, and it was essentially like the day had begun, and guys started riding some freaking crazy waves. Did you ride some more waves that day? Yeah, I went back out in the afternoon, and I, it was really special to be out there with Tanner, because Tanner had gone out probably around 11.30, surfed a session, got just absolutely annihilated. He got sucked over the falls by a sneaky, huge set. Really? And almost got like a two-wave hole down. Guys were just sending it. And uh, so I was watching from the boat at that point. And then uh, we we both went back out after lunch and kind of just rode a couple together, which was really special. But in my mind, I was already kind of just like... You're on the wind down. Yeah, on a bit more of a wind down. Like it's like the emotional, like for myself. I, and everything I'm saying is speaking just personally like and each guy's got their own triggers like no that's why we're asking you I yeah think that's like there's some guys that ride they'll ride 15 huge waves in a day mm-hmm. and they want more I and mean, it's so sick to watch and it's like epic but everyone's got their own tricks and trades to like get to their peak performance 
right? Like some guys, like for them, when you ride big waves, it's like a surf session, you know? So for me, I just felt like all my experience of going there a bunch and learning every time. And that was the only goal is to learn, to learn, to learn, to get to this level, to learn a little more, to get to this level. I knew what I was kind of searching for. And so that's what brought me to like, okay, this is the moment. And it was cool. So, yeah. So did you get barreled again in the later sessions? I did the next day. Oh, okay. But I didn't for the rest of that day. No. I didn't, yeah. It's like, do you want to taint that vision? You know, it's like, <laughs> but it's cool because sometimes you get so blacked out, you don't remember things, but I remember everything. Yeah. Well, you were clearly in the zone, man. Wow. Yeah, it was super special. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I think, and just been talking over the weeks, like going through life and dealing with stuff, and I think paying attention to where your mind is, Mm. and I think that's just been so clear in this this example of this situation and preparing and then going there and getting, like, you were ready to go. You just, you, you knew it, you know? Yeah, well, it's funny, like, we talked about, too, and you texted Tanner, like, hey, watch out for days. Just make sure he's in a good headspace, you know, like, dealing with a breakup, you know, a really sad, broken heart, Mm. essentially, for two months, um, was really tough to deal with, and I think battling with those inner demons and like understanding the working of your psychology and the depression and so forth. Like mm-hmm. you kind of, my solution was working out and getting endorphins pumping and being outside and being exposed to the ocean and the salt air. And that helped me through dealing with that process. So that was training. Mm-hmm. I was paddling. I was swimming. It was like meditation. And building your confidence. Huh? And so that training regiment by virtue of, you know, helping deal with kind of the heartbreak mm. was really kind of what put me in a good physical headspace, clarity headspace to go, okay, how do you deal with emotions like of that kind of magnitude, you know? And like, that's why I was in Fiji. It wasn't like I was sad or, I mean, of course I'm always, you know, you're going to remember those experiences with, you know, a tinge of sadness, but it wasn't like my main goal in Fiji was had anything to do with that, but I will say my headspace, my clarity, my my inner peace to deal with the gnarliness of that situation mm-hmm. really was tapped into from a couple months before where I was able to like understand the depth of emotion mm-hmm. inside of myself and go like, holy crap, like we're an infinite spectrum of like this emotion that's like 360 degrees of just like infinitive just you know you're up down all around and how do you how do you manage it how do you navigate through it and so yeah i mean i felt more emotionally prepared on this trip i think as a byproduct unfortunately of going through that kind of stuff sure i mean does that make sense oh it makes a lot of sense and i I, yeah i'm so impressed of how strong your headspace was but it it makes you ask the question like are we just walking around without asking all the hard questions for the most part because until something goes wrong or something has to be addressed you yeah you kind of just cruising but yeah you were definitely doing the doing the hard work and asking the questions and getting yourself prepared and just 
literally embracing life and then embracing waves and embracing the pounding. <laughs> yeah, and it's cool too because like my uncle was even asking, he's like, Dan, he's like, do you think, you know, it looked like at a crazy level where if guys didn't have their vest or, you know, say there wasn't water safety, do you think guys would still be doing it at the level that was being done? Mm-hmm. Or like, you know, almost not in a concerned way, but feeling maybe like, you know, are we going, are surfers going past the limit? And I thought back and, and I said in 2011, waves like Ryan Hipwood's, Nathan Fletcher's, Bruce Irons, Cole Christensen's, humongous waves. As big as anything that was written essentially to the current date. 2011, those guys, none of them even had paddle vests on. The, there was only like one jet ski. So I would think there would still be guys going for it. And I think the situation that happened with Aaron Gold was just like, he wasn't wearing paddle vests at that moment. And, you know, the crew that's like resuscitated him, like everyone was there for each other. It was such a heavy moment. It was like a wake up call. It was like, okay, cloud breaks, no joke. Like everyone like is on their safety now. Yeah. You know, and, and the main goal is always to come home to your family and your friends and your kids and your wife, you know, like everyone wants to come home. There's no, no one out there that's like that loony that's, they're just like, I'm just going on a cowboy scent, you know? And so I think in thinking about the scale of it, I think people would still be going without the safety if they didn't know that the safety exists now. It would seem ridiculous to do it now, yes. knowing the consequences. Yeah, in hindsight, it's a calculated risk, and now we have more numbers to be able to calculate with, so... That makes sense. put them in the sum. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's... <laughs> yeah, I mean... Such an impressive feat. Just the... Yeah, just the beauty of those waves and the, yeah. the lines that you drew and the lines that everyone else was drawing. It's just... Yeah... It really, it sort of, it made the whole of what the soul surfing thing is for me feel so valuable. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like just watching you prepare and getting ready. And then I, I honestly, the, the sound of your voice when you called saying we're leaving tomorrow, like I could, I could hear it. I hadn't even looked at the charts yet, but I, could, <laughs> I was like, nope, this, this is different. And then seeing that come to fruition and it's like, you know, we could go surf one foot onshore right now. And I'm not saying we're going to get to the depth of that experience, but this surfing experience has this ability to be focused, to tap in, to walk away with a survival mentality or a little piece of stoke, these glimpses of memories, these, like you were saying, like you went to this, let's call it a psychedelic realm, and like it took you there, and then you figure out how it cut. There's this spiritual thing going on that's so precious, and it's really hard to even talk about you did so well explaining to us to some degree of how it felt, but it's going on and it's precious. Yeah. And surfing too, is like, it's therapy and, and it's like activity, but it's, and too, it's like, there's always that common question, you know, is it a sport or is it like even like a religion or something, you know what I mean? And people surf for so many different reasons, mm-hmm. but I just, you can't help but just think to your own personal life what it means to you. And and each experience is different. Like every time you go surf, every day is different. How you're feeling, how, what's going on. There's so many external factors. But I think that trip to Fiji, I'll always remember as a really special trip with Tanner 
for one. Yes. I think we went on our own program with, you know, there we knew there was going to be photographers and video guys there, but essentially Tanner and I, we were a team and we just kind of, we're looking after, you know, everyone else too, but like, you know, we were helping each other, like, you know, zip up and, hey, you need your board. Okay. Like we were yeah, a team. Petty. Yeah. And like, that was the main goal is to both be safe and to both get good waves. And so... It wasn't like we we're out there like, oh, we need to get the shot. Or like, is this clip going to like, you know what I mean? Like, we we're not filming for a fans movie. There was nothing going on. It's like, essentially, like, we were there because we wanted to be there um, and support each other and go do this. And because we knew there's only a, so many swells in your lifetime. So it was really cool, like, to have no pressure of like, no one was like, you got to go get this wave for this thing or that. It was like really cool. It was liberating because, you know, sometimes when you're working on a project, you want to have a special ender or something like that, which is, you know, what it is. But yeah, this trip was, I'll always remember just like, it was pretty much a soul send, you know, and too psychologically where I was at, like just kind of dealing with those emotions mm. prior. And it was almost like a purge, you know, like I just literally feel like, you crawl out of like a wormhole or like, you know, like a butterfly just flies out of a little cocoon, just like, Meow. and you just like, you know, you feel like you're ready to approach the next day and the next day after that. So how does it feel surfing since? I mean, you surfed a few more sessions over there, had some good waves. Have you surfed since you've been home? Yeah. I mean, we surfed over there and guys were still charging. The next day was huge too. You surfed Lori Towner. Yeah. Lori Towner. I think Lori Towner is probably in the top two to five best big wave guys in the world right now. He was on such a whole nother level as well. Um, and I don't even know who he'd put on that list, right? <laughs> They're all just psychos. Um, but I'd say Lori's at the top and he was charging the next day. And so we were just like hooting. Like it was a stoke fest. Everyone was involved. Yeah. Ramon got a really good paddle wave. Coconut Gallus got a sick one. Billy Kemper was charging. Nate Florence was going beast mode. Cy Smiley. Everyone was like involved. And so you're just happy for everyone. Everyone's glowing. Everyone was like feeling like there was like this like literal like like orb around cloud break that you could see probably from space. It was like this like chi just bubble. It was like it's a special part of the world that little little dot of yeah. breathe, isn't it? Yeah. So you come home and like I served Santa was last night. I was one foot and on shore, and I was so stoked. Grab my little single fin. I'm like yeah. yeah. Serve with friends. Cruise talk story. It's good, man. Like surfing rules in all capacities and yeah, just like you got to love every aspect of it, but definitely pushing yourself to the limit in one aspect helps you understand that enjoying the full spectrum mm. is beneficial too. to me. That's what, you know what I mean? Like surfing those big waves, I get like a, like a boomerang of like, and now I really want to surf small waves and enjoy that process or like a left point on a fish Yeah, Do or like, thing, yeah. Like, I love the whole spectrum, but feeling like, hey, I'm satisfied in this area allows you to go shift the focus and just go, I'm ready to embrace everything, you know? Do you think people that don't surf waves of that size aren't brave or aren't tapping into the whole surfing experience or it's not for everyone? I don't I think it comes down to bravery or anything. I, I just think it's like, like, someone, I'll be out there and I'm like... Shit, man, I'm just not feeling it today. Like, I've paddled out the big wave sessions and just been like, today's not my day. That's and awesome. You're, and you just paddle back to the boat. And it's like, you're not less of a person or less of a charger. It's just that some days are your days and some days aren't your days. And to know and to be okay with that 
or like value yourself equal, mm-hmm. not less than yeah, or more than self worth tied up. In yeah, that. like I'm. You're not a better person for getting a, a big wave, or you're not a worse person for not getting a big wave. You're just a surfer, mm-hmm. and everyone's just surfing. It's just like where you get it and how you get. It. You can go out to San Jose and have the same experience. You can push yourself to your peak performance. Yeah. Well, then, once again, I, I mean, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. I love big waves, too, to my own small degree. But it's like, you know, that's a season of life for me that's kind of passed and gone. But there is something about the relatability of being able to tap into pushing yourself at whatever level you have available, you know. And um, that's true. It's like wherever you're at, you know, you could be small onshore waves for years, but you're still... And it comes back to that mind space and your head space. And, and too, you do, there is an ego factor to it. You know, as much as you don't want to admit it, you do, you're like, I'm here right now. I got to go do this thing. Yeah. But just literally staring at the thing and just being like, okay, like, I don't know. It's, it's a crazy psychological battle with yourself more than anything. Well, you... It's the same psychological... Time the beast. <laughs> yeah, but, like, it's, like, crazy. Like, you're no better or no worse either way it goes, you know? That's good. That's... I think, well, that's a mature perspective, and and I think it helps yourself and others and keeps things safe and real. Yeah. Would you ride the same board again if you had another one on a wave like that? I would modify it a bit, but I don't know how. <laughs> Maybe make it narrower a bit up front. Could the yellow board look way wider than that? Way wider. Yeah. It worked good, but I think it's like almost so long that you have to be so far forward on it to be utilizing that width. Mm. But it does paddle good. So I don't know. Maybe just ride it until it breaks and then go from there. <laughs> but I got to order Pat another one because I broke his. That was his orange one? Yeah. So I felt How old bad. is that board? Those boards are like six years old. That's crazy, huh? Yeah. And but they was- only get pulled out for certain experiences, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, that was the Channel Islands, which model was that? It's not really a model, I guess. Um, a guy named Simon shaped them. So, oh, right. Yeah, yeah. So they're just kind of, we, that was after 2012, the Vulcan year. Yes. We came back and we were looking for something that could accommodate those kind of conditions. Mm. So that's kind of how we ended up with that. We might have to get in the bay and make, make a little something. Yeah. Something. <laughs> well, it's good because every time you come back, you get R&D and, Everyone over there had such sick boards. Like, mm. it was cool. And everyone had different boards. Like, literally, I saw so many. John Pizel had some really cool looking shapes. Um, we felt good on our boards that looked completely different than the Pizels. And then Tokoro had a couple of good ones. There was, and then the Brazilians had their boards. And then, you know, some of the European guys at Pucas had their different shapes. So everyone was really experimenting, like, what could be ideal. Mm. Essentially, the only goal is to catch the wave. And then you're able to make the assessment yes so you need to have enough foam to get into it and then you're understanding like okay how do i does this work or not yeah yeah i mean that's the the age-old thing it's like can you get in early enough and then once you're in you don't want the rest of the board that you wanted when you first started the paddle yeah you're like oh no yeah for me i i look at the body language of your knees and Obviously, your focus is out of the barrel, but if you look at people's shoulder language, knee language, and then the actual vibrations of the board, and you can see it pretty well in the slow-mo, mm-hmm. if you just keep your eye on, even on Instagram, you just keep your eye on the, on the nose of the board and see how much she's wavering, and I felt like your board had a really, really quiet language through that wave. Yeah. 
It felt good. It felt like it was canoeing through. Yeah, and even that first little whitewater thing that you boom, 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 like went yeah. through, the thing was probably as big as your house. But yeah, <laughs> like you went through that, and nothing got weird. But yeah, those speeds, it's it's a whole different level. Like I think the hydrodynamic principles need to be, they need to be clean and just flowing, and nothing, no cavitations coming in. It's just, it'd be really interesting to know how fast you were going. Because it's yeah. it's not probably that much faster than some of the surfing situations, but it does get to a different degree. And then when things start to fail, it gets weird. But yeah, you know, the board looked really clean and nice exhaust. But yeah, yeah, It'd be yeah. interesting to see those fins. Yeah, I got them in the guys. There, I mean, two backsiders have a different preference. I know Nate Florence was riding a shorter board, Billy Kemper, than I would be riding, right? Because how short? I think Nathan was trying to ride a 7.5. He was on an 8.2, I think, dude. Okay. The new crew of big wave guys is like, I have so much respect for them. They're going to take it, the sport to like a level that's like never been seen before. Mm. You know, guys like Billy, Nathan Florence, Cora Rothman, mm. you know, like the, between those, like the young Hawaiian crew to me is so on another level of like pushing it and go mentality that like, I just am stoked to just bear witness to like the waves these guys are going to ride. And they've already ridden the, some of the best waves in history with between Koa's toe wave, Nate finds at Chopes and Josh. Like I'm just psyched to be a surfer right now. I think it's like the best time ever. And I hope these swells just keep coming so we can see some sick surfing, you know? Yeah. And it's like, man, I just, you just feel inspired, you know, so inspired. And it's like, whether or not I personally want to be involved in like that kind of stuff, moving forward like big waves and stuff like time and time again you never know until you're in that moment but essentially it's just like it's in such good hands those kids are so ready to go and it's just like the future is looking so bright and it's sick that's good yeah do you think you've fascinated you've quenched that fascination for the big one or is it you know, get the training, training I, it back on. I want to make one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've made it one, but like of that magnitude, but no, I think just like thundercloud, that location has always been special to my heart. Like I felt like this really nice, really deep connection with cloud break, no matter what size and just like the essence there. So yeah, if, if that goes off again, I, you know, I want to make my best effort to be in the right headspace and, Spirit, like spiritual place to do it again and mm-hmm. go for it again and uh, but it's like I like going left and getting barreled and that's like a, the most amplified version of that yeah but like Mavericks and those waves they scare the shit out of me you know like big right drop steep on your toe edge on a huge board like you know it's a different experience for myself and different people feel fear in different places you know so like I feel more comfortable at giant cloud break than I would at like you know pretty good Mavs essentially so sure. um yeah it's a whole different thing really huh yeah so that's where i'm at personally with it mm. gosh yeah <laughs> how long do you think it takes till you start winding down uh hopefully never no that's good. no you want to get to a place where you can look back in a reflective experience well let's say you kicked out and it was on 11 where you you've wound down what are you now on 10 and a half still or you sometimes i get flashbacks and i just get juiced is that right i'm just like like literally it was like i'm trying to just think about what it would be equatable to it was like you have flashbacks 
and you get those like your nervous system starts tingling and you feel like that bizarre energy like you can't deny it it's like crazy (laughs) so yeah so I'm still glowing you know well let's go look at those boards but cool Donnie thanks man oh thanks for sharing that story it's yeah it's so inspiring and also just yeah it'd be cool for you to track down like other guys out there because everyone had their own experience and that's what's so cool about that session I think Mm. in terms of just their timeline everyone in their own mental spaces and it was really interesting talking to you about what people's goals are within the session yes and their intent I think setting intent is huge and so and you have a wide variety of guys and goals and everything so I think think for me the the best part of the story was just hearing your emotion in the voice like we've been on the phone so much and traveling and doing all these things together lately but it's I could hear you and like you know going through where your headspace was before you left and I was like oh no this this is this is so to hear that and then your mind space there and then your focus and intention and your relaxation within the moment it's it's all about the mind I mean people way smarter than us could probably draw this on what's happening in your brain but you know just admitting that it's happening is, you yeah. know, a start to a really exciting conversation of what this whole thing is, how to process surfing life, rails rocker, the, you know, it's, yeah, it's all important, but it's also like, it's all a balance. Yeah. And you just evolve and you, and you can't, you're never always going to be making the right decisions. You just, you got to be learning because you're only human, you know, you're learning every time. So you don't know until you go and your experience moving forward from that initial like engagement is going to be sculpted from that experience you know Mm. so that's what's so cool is like everything that happens to you affects you tomorrow the next moment after yeah and your perspective is going to change by virtue of what's happening right now well if you're willing to learn yeah a lot of people if if you avoid it but you can learn and there's so much to learn yeah and it's like if the moment you stop learning that's a bummer. You don't want that. Uh, you can get one on the head. Yeah, you're gonna get inside. So, well, thanks, Danny. Oh, good stuff. Hola. with my soul is produced written and hosted by donald brink follow him at donald brink on instagram and brinksurf.com post-production editing by myself david scales today's intro and outro music was by panda bear you can find everything that donald and dane discussed in this episode on surfsplendorpodcast.com all the footage and imagery from fiji including the video of ryan hargrave rescuing dane godowskis that accompanies the audio that was at the very opening of the show. Donald will be back in two weeks with Dane's brother, Tanner Godowskis, as he discusses his current life while shaping a surfboard under the tutelage of Donald Brink. Until then. <laughs>